You're listening to the CC Podcast. We promote civic engagement by highlighting the community leaders at UTEP and the El Paso region, while also promoting personal development and civic-mindedness. Thank you for listening. everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in to our latest episode of the CCE podcast brought to you by the UTEP Center for Community Engagement. My name is Sofia Andritzos and I'll be your host for today's episode. Today we have the honor of being joined by two esteemed professors from the College of Health Sciences here at UTEP. Um, first we'll be joined by Dr. Mark Lusk who's a professor emeritus in social work um, here at UTEP. Hello, Dr. Lusk. Thank you so much Good for joining morning, us today. Good morning. And we're also joined by Dr. Gabriel Ibarra Mejia, um, who's an assistant professor of public health sciences here at UTEP. Hello, um, doctor. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you Great for to the have invitation. You both. Thank you. Um, so um, during our uh, series on mental health awareness, we decided to ask these two esteemed professors to join us here today to speak about their study in, um, about stress, anxiety, and depression among Latinx stu university students during the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, as we all know, especially during the pandemic, um, mental health has really come to the forefront as an issue that we all should um, be more aware of and that we all should have um, profound respect and, and appreciation for. So before we get started talking about um, your study um, that you all recently published, I'll go ahead and start by just asking if you could share us a little bit about yourself. Um, you know, how'd you get to where you are today? And maybe how'd you get interested in the in the topic of mental health awareness? So we'll go ahead and start with you, Dr. Lusk. Sure, um, thank you, Sophia. I grew up in South America. My father was a foreign service officer. So I became very aware early on of the disparities of health in the world. Uh, and how the vast segment of the global population has very little uh, access to health care and much less to mental health care. And after growing up in that environment and coming back to the United States as a young man, I went to college and then engaged in a career in social work, working first in psychiatric hospitals, then in general hospitals, and then as a supervisor at a medical medical hospital, a general medical hospital and at rehabilitation science uh, facilities. Um, and then I went on to a career of a uh, college professor, and which I finished uh, last year at UTEP after 13 years at UTEP. And I was a college professor for 40 years. Um, and now I'm a professor emeritus, but continue to be active with colleagues like Dr. Ibarra Mejia and other on, others on research and also have some doctoral students and opportunity to speak to classes occasionally. I became very interested in mental health and mental wellness in, in a long time ago. Wow, excellent. Well, thank you so much for, for sharing that. Um, Dr. Um, Ibarra Mejia, can you please uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and maybe your interest in um, this type of research having to do with the COVID-19 pandemic? Yes, thank you. So uh, first and foremost, I was born, you know, in Juarez. So I lived the disparity. So I've been, you know, familiar uh, and have kind of a deep knowledge of all these disparities and what they can cost. And uh, looking at that, I, you know, being uh, one of the first in the family to go to college, to have the opportunity to go to college, I went on to medical school. And I graduated from medical school and then I decided to 
specialize in occupational medicine. And, and that was motivated basically because of my parents. I saw my parents, you know, under uh, these kind of strenuous conditions. So I decided to do something for the health of the workers. And uh, the only thing that I could think about is to improve is kind of design the environments in which they, they work with. So then I decided to uh, make uh, another degree in ergonomics. And for that, I traveled to Europe and specialized myself in, in ergonomics, then came back and then specialized and uh, completed a PhD in environmental engineering. So I kind of have the, the whole, you know, uh, knowledge of components and uh, holistic components to uh, to analyze a certain person's job and perspectives and, and things like that. And of course, the basic basic uh, health uh, knowledge that I got. But my concern uh, is a lot of our workers and I became aware of, uh, you know, the, the psychosocial environments and how stressful they are for, for every worker. And in, in this case, I just consider students and, you know, uh, I have two daughters that are college age and I see how distressed they are and say, and then we started, I, you know, I, uh, we are, Mark and I have been uh, um, friends for some, some years now, and we have amazing coffee talks, and we talk about the stress in students and things and stuff like that. And then when the moment came, and uh, I was actually worried, uh, uh, and I wanted to talk about anxiety uh, because of the students returning to, uh, or the plants are returning to, to class last year in, in September. But then that didn't happen. So we, we see the opportunity, is this causing some stress? And what is the prevalence of stress? And then we got, you know, into designing this, uh, all this instrument and, uh, you know, collected the data and came up with this, uh, um, I don't know, uh, fascinating, but kind of disturbing uh, results. That's yeah. how we got here. Yes. Yes. Well, leading into that, let's go ahead and, and begin discussing this, this really important study that, that you all um, that you all began and completed. So um, this study, which is entitled Stress, Anxiety, and Depression Among Latinx University Students During the COVID-19 Pandemic. So what I think is super uh, interesting about this study is that, I mean, we've all kind of understood, uh, you know, the, the importance of respecting mental health and just being more aware of that, that aspect of personal health and wellness just in the past year just due to, you know, the, COVID, the onset of the pandemic, everyone's taking, you know, more time to, to be with their thoughts and to kind of understand, you know, the importance of taking care of your mind um, as that does, you know, affect everything. So, but what's really interesting is that you, you all conducted this study on a local level, um, you know, so we really get to see that type of, you know, analysis among, you know, students in the region or at a university level. So that's super interesting. So I was wondering if you could, if you both could maybe just elaborate a little bit on, you know, how you began this study, any results, um, the analysis of, of, of the results, any conclusions that you all drew from the study. So Dr. Les, we'll go ahead and begin with you. Sure. Um, before we burrow down into the student level data and the college level data, um, let me set the stage by saying that the, the global pandemic has been a global level massive disruption of the ways in which people live their lives. And there have been, indeed, there is a mental health epidemic within the global pandemic that is understudied and under 
appreciated because we're so overwhelmed by the fact that 3.4 million people globally have died and 586,000 Americans have died directly from COVID uh, and not to mention all of the uh, casualties that have happened as a result of long-term effects of people who have recovered from COVID. Um, This has been devastating. And so no one has not been affected by this at a global level. And while the numbers are beginning to look very good in the United States, they're not looking very good in a number of other countries, such as India, which is taking up a lot of news. Also, uh, Colombia, Brazil, countries that uh, have not had uh, access to the vaccine in nearly adequate numbers. And so our mental health epidemic in the United States pales by comparison with what's going on globally, but that doesn't make it any less difficult or traumatic for the people that experience it. So in the literature review and in looking at the studies that have been done already, and there is a a huge number of papers that have come out in medical journals, psychological journals, and social science journals in the last 13 months, because scientists and and, and, um, epidemiologists and physicians have thrown themselves into studying this because the world has become a living laboratory for the epidemiology and pathology, sociology and psychology of an epidemic. So this is an opportune time to to study it. But what has been a a major source of mental disorder and, and, and trauma among people in the United States has been two forms of stressors, um, because stress is one of the major causes of of mental disorder. And the first, of course, is economic stressors. The United States has gone through a period in which we've had high unemployment, housing displacement, people evicted from their homes, people taking on who do have jobs, second jobs, and then the non-economic social stressors of having large numbers of people working from home, children being schooled at home, um, lack of access to healthcare, um, and then all of all of those things that each of us know and you and I have experienced personally in being confined and cooped up and experiencing significant degrees of social isolation. So this is something that we've shared not only as a planet, but in, as a country. And then here in our part of the part of the country, um, we had a particularly significant surge early on in the pandemic, followed by a second surge um, as we attempted in West Texas to grapple grapple with this with slightly different policies in Texas than in other states. But, you know, the the ultimate precursors of, of the rates of depression, stress, and anxiety are all of these other things that have been going on in life that that we just don't have the same sorts of control over our life. Patterns of recreation have been disrupted. Patterns of church attendance and worship have been disrupted. Patterns of association with your normal groups have been disrupted. And so that leads to loneliness, unhappiness, um, and social isolation. And those factors together combine to make people feel anxious, stressed, and depressed. And those are the things that we saw. And the literature that you see globally, countries where scientists have studied this in China, in Great Britain, in Spain, in countries throughout Western Europe and South Asia, all find the same thing, that the rates of depression, the rates of, of anxiety disorders, 
and associated with them substance use uh, have all accelerated significantly. So within that larger context, we come down to the microcosm of what it's like to be a college student in the United States and specifically at a Latinx serving institution such as, such as ours. Um, because minorities experience the pandemic differently too. Um, the rates of depression that are associated with anxiety, that are associated with COVID um, and the rates of anxiety that are associated with COVID are much higher um, among uh, Latinx Americans than, than others and also among African Americans. So it's differentially experienced by different groups within society. So that's the context that I wanted to set for us as we begin to think a little bit about how this has adversely affected students as well. But it's not all a sad story because people cope in the face of adversity and I don't want us to go away in despair. People cope with diversity, with adversity. And when people are confronted with the loss of a friend, the loss of a parent, the loss of a grandparent through COVID, it, it while it's extraordinarily difficult and, 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 and a terrible thing to go through, people have demonstrated remarkable resilience and capacity to pull together as communities and families and, and, and as, as organizations, such as UTEP, which has many ways led the way on this, to, to cope with and successfully respond to this. Mm -hmm. Wow, what an, what an excellent description um, of this study. And, and I'll go ahead and continue with you, um, Dr. Ibarra Mejia. If you can maybe speak a little bit about, you know, the methodology behind, you know, specifically um, surveying, you know, the this microcosm, as Dr. Lusk said, of, you know, the Latinx community, specifically UTEP students, of that decision to, you know, kind of analyze this this uh, sample population. Sure. So um, both Dr. Lusk and I uh, put together a questionnaire uh, in which we included several other already validated instruments to measure uh, and stress, anxiety, and depression. So we just basically added, you know, the information that was, uh, that we know it's, it, it was relevant for each individual, and then added these, uh, these instruments to, uh, uh, to measure those three factors. The three factors were mainly, you know, the levels of stress, anxiety, and, and depression. And, uh, and then we, uh, got permission, you know, we went all through the protocol. We submitted it by email in anonymous forms. So and probably that is also one of the reasons that we have some high rate of participation. And uh, we got uh, almost 500 responses. And then we immediately just went into the, the analysis. And then uh, we were uh, surprised. Uh, well, not surprised, but we actually got a good response from other minorities here in the, in the, in the student population. And we got, you know, responses, uh, most of, uh, of course, from Latinx uh, students, but we also got from Asian Pacific type of uh, uh, students. And then we also have from uh, from uh, Native, Native Americans. And uh, I mean, regarding if we separate uh, those things, I mean, the numbers are, are fairly uh, higher. The percentage of participation is higher than Latinx. But uh, it was important that I think it would to highlight that the, uh, the, the levels for stress and anxiety were even more high, were higher in, uh, in those other uh, minority groups more even than in the United States. And more than the Latinx. And uh, 
Dr. Loss can correct me, but uh, I think it is because again of, of the social construct. You know, what are what are your uh, uh, networks, your uh, your support networks? Uh, are you living alone and things like that? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then we found out that the, there's a high rate of uh, students that we already know. The majority of students have uh, you know double double uh, uh, let's say double roles. They're not only students; they're also parents, and they also work, and they're caregivers, and they're like so. Uh, th- all those kinds of things like played out, and and to get you know these high rates that we found, like nearly uh, almost like fifty percent, which is extremely extremely high compared to those uh, uh, other countries like Spain and and uh, and uh, Korea and, and China, and these uh, th- uh, this is worrisome. But one thing that that I found out that that we explore also, uh, you know, the, the coping mechanisms. And we were, in this case, was a positive that, you know, we are coping, you know, students are coping, are dealing with it. Somehow they're dealing with it. Is that enough? I don't think so. Uh, I don't think that we're not being proactive enough. We're not reaching out uh, to help these students in a proactive manner. Um, I don't know if I'm getting ahead of myself and I'm starting to get excited and, about this topic, but uh, we're not doing enough. We're not reaching out. We're just posting help and expecting people to find it. And But we're not being proactive. We're not act- actively seeking uh, and, and, and identifying those that need help and offering help. So this is, this is uh, uh, or, or probably promoting those coping mechanisms and and somehow supporting those coping mechanisms, uh, I will leave that you know how to, how to do the experts, but that is that is the knowledge that I receive uh, uh, from this this study, right? That uh, basically uh, this is uh, kind of a we're not seeing this uh, mental health pandemic as a priority, and it might come in you know bit us in the behind later on. So we should pay aware of it. It's not only the COVID, it's not only vaccines and not, not only being worried about if you're able to go out or, or not, or the, uh, you know, the conflicting information of wearing a mask or not wearing a mask. You know, this is going to cause a serious problem if we don't pay attention to it. If we're not proactive, we have identified, we should do something about that already. Exactly. And, and I think you mentioned a very, um, important aspect of, you know, talking about mental health is being proactive and that that uh, level of recognizing and respecting and appreciating this whole component um, of, you know, uh, health and, and well-being. So um, I'll, I'll kind of shift gears and kind of segue into my next question, which is, works perfectly about, um, well, how do you think has the pandemic led to the destigmatization of mental health as a whole. So I'll go ahead and, and uh, start with you, Dr. Lesk, on this one. Um, one of the things that's crucial, I think, that everybody needs to understand about the pandemic is that the effects of the pandemic are felt differentially by different populations. Um, those who live in high-income zip codes Um, experience a different reality than those who live in low-income zip codes. And those who um, are part of Latinx and minority communities uh, experience it differently for a variety of social uh, uh, factors that are are a result of discrimination and, and I think, structural injustice. 
as I mentioned earlier, um, the rates for Hispanics to to contract and be hospitalized uh, for COVID are much higher. Let me give you a couple of numbers. The infection rate for Latinx people in the United States are 1.7 times higher than for uh, the average. Uh, the hospitalization rates for Hispanics um, uh, of all ages are four times greater than for the general population. And the death rates for Hispanics in general are two, or three point, three, 2.8, three times higher uh, among Latinos uh, than any other population, um, than, the, than the general population. And so when sociologists and economists try to figure that out, um, and epidemiologists, they, they say, well, what, what are the factors? And one is access to healthcare. Another are occupational hazards, being frontline workers, being agricultural mm -hmm. workers, and also housing density, number of persons living under the same roof, and then education and income gaps, and then simply access to the vaccine. The vaccine has, is, is less available in low-income neighborhoods and low-income zip codes, and you can see this statistically in the geospatial analysis of vaccinations. Rural communities, colonias, um, low-income communities, Segundo Barrio, all of these communities have been underserved. Um, while that's changing, um, that's, that's, a, that's a challenge. And all of those same uh, effects are felt by students at, at this institution. Um, other things I think that Dr. Ibarra Mejia mentioned are that people are uh, caregivers, they, they also are parents, so they may be a, in this, what's called the sandwich generation. They're taking care of their children, and they're also taking care of their parents uh, and extended family. They're often working. Oh, well over three-quarters of students at university uh, at our university work their way through college. They, they don't get it paid for by somebody else. They may have some financial support, but, but they're working while, while they're going. Um, and so these, these, these result in higher risk factors. But there are also protective factors within the, the community because of the high connectivity and networks, uh, social networks that, that people can rely on um, that provide social solidarity and connection to people through extended families, through associations, through churches and faith organizations. Those, those act as a mediating effect. Um, but individually, uh, one of the most important things that people can do is to, en to engage in coping behaviors that are healthy. When we looked at coping behaviors, uh, Dr. Ibarra and Mejia mentioned that we, we saw both negative ones and positive ones. And the negative ones we documented among students were that 70% um, of them had indicated that they were eating too much. Um, and I gained seven pounds during the during the pandemic, so I can relate to that. Fifty one percent began to increasingly ignore their feelings and deny their feelings. Uh, they reported that in their own words. Twenty seven percent reported that they had a marked increase in their alcohol um, consumption. And alarmingly to me as a as a drug counselor, 13% uh, reported that they were increasing their use or taking on for the first time the use of recreational drugs. So those, those are concerns because those do not, those aggravate mental health, each, each and every one of those. But the positive coping that we saw overwhelmed the negative coping. Our students made connections with other people. In addition to which they reported 80% of them, they spent a lot of time listening to music, 
Um, 74% of them said they like to spend time with other people and laugh and, and find humor in things. Um, people found comfort and, and uh, respite, even in things like taking showers. Um, half of them increased in the amount of exercise uh, that they were doing, and exercise is a very important antidote to depression and anxiety. And unfortunately, only 12% sought counseling, which is a, is a good thing to do, and especially when you're feeling with anxiety. So the, the, the coping mechanisms are things that are within our control that we can enact, um, but making connections to people is, is really crucial. And I know all of us, uh, even those of us who have families here in our homes with us, felt a much higher degree of loneliness than, than we did in the pre-pandemic era. And now that I've been vaccinated fully and most of my friends have been vaccinated, over 50% of El Pasoans 12 years and older have now been vaccinated. Very high rates of vaccination among, among students at UTEP and among employees uh, and staff and faculty at UTEPs. So I'm able to make those connections. I went to the library for the first time yesterday to read and have a conversation with a friend. We're six feet away, but I knew he was socially, that he, social distance was maybe not so important because he'd been um, uh, vaccinated as well. We're now able to make those kinds of with their gratifying to have the opportunity to reconnect with them. So those are some of the things that I think are takeaways is that while the mental health numbers that we've seen are alarming, um, they are also these social protective factors. Mm -hmm. Definitely, definitely excellent, um, excellent analysis. And thank you very much for also sharing, you know, those um, those those patterns that you noticed, but then also, you know, um, sharing that that there are, you know, coping mechanisms and the appropriate, you know, methods of, of coping and that there is hope, you know, there is um, there is a, a going to be a shift in um, in the outlook for mental health awareness in the in the near future. And I'll go ahead and and segue now to um, Dr. Ibarra Mejia. I'll ask you, you mentioned earlier that, you know, during the setting, you know, the context of this study was taken during a time when, you know, uh, students were maybe put last, last fall, you know, so fall 2020, they were anticipating maybe a return to school, but then um, that was, that, that plan was, was shifted to a fully online, fully virtual environment. Um, how do you think in the near future, you know, maybe you mentioned like if it would be interesting to to study, you know, the effects of mental health going into this next fall semester, you know, presumably every, everything um, will kind of be, you know, calming down even more, you know, we'll have uh, greater potential for going back uh, fully in person. How do you think under diff a different context, different setting um, in the near future, how maybe the outlook for mental health will change or how maybe results would be different? Well, in, in my opinion, and, and Mark can correct me because we actually discussed this. I, I, I wanted to, uh, we, were, we wanted to address also something that it's uh, called anticipatory anxiety. Now that you know that you, there's the higher probability of, uh, of us going back to our normal routine, right? And go to, you know, go to school and spend long hours there and sometimes, you know, uh, take, uh, long breaks or short breaks, walk from one building to another. 
and still all these restrictions in place, uh, um, the concerns are the concerns of everyone. And I see it as going back, you know, I, I, my interest is in, in the working population. So for me, students, their, their job is, you know, school. So if they were going back into this facility, how safe is the facility? How safe am I going to be in the facility? I know that, you know, science tells us you should be safe and things like, things like that. But uh, at this moment, there is not enough knowledge to guarantee that that it's going to happen. So, and then the other thing is that we, we, we uh, continuously, you know, read and listen to uh, contradictory uh, information. Put on a mask, don't wear a mask. It's okay to wear a mask. It's not okay to wear the mask. So it, it, no one knows exactly what's going to happen. And uh, that's still science has to deal with it. Uh, what this uh, I, you know, uh, did for me is it actually raised the flag that, in, that mental health is important. I raised the flag that mental health is important. And, and as uh, Mark said, the percentage of people seeking uh, uh, counseling was very low. But then again, why do we, why should we, I don't know, make students responsible for, for seeking help when we know already that this is a problem? What are we doing as an institution? Again, being proactive, what are we doing to increase that percentage of the people that, that seek counseling? That's what we're gonna do. Why don't we make it, you know, uh, uh, some type of uh, not not just uh, here are some resources, read them. Here's a you know uh, I know a flyer, call this number or whatever. Why don't we just you know do what the user wants, which is help? Why don't we go out and 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 and, uh, and find those people that that need help? I know it means uh, you know resources. We may have it, we may we do not. We might not have the infrastructure. And uh, so, in 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 a in a nutshell, what I think, what I feel, is that it will it will increase eventually uh, the the anxiety of the people going back. But if we are if this coming back uh, return to school is successful at even if uh, some level, not probably you know hundred percent, but fifty percent, that will that will increase again again. Remember uh, the not having this disrupting routine or being going back to your routine or getting up, you know, driving or, or walking or cycling to school. That's good. That's, that's good. Uh, that's a good thing because it gives you a sense of normality. And that's a uh, one way of, uh, of us coping with that, making sure that we can continue doing what we want, maybe with some restrictions and some difficulties and uh, some will be better at coping at it than others, but that will be a good thing. So, my my uh, I, I don't know I can I can probably speculate a little bit, but I think that the levels of anxiety are going to go up. But as as uh, as um, as time goes by, we may be backing to be back to some sort of normality, and uh, we will be have more knowledge hopefully, and that uh, cast between sciences will probably be filled, and then we'll agree. And then we'll uh, we'll you know be be in a in a position to provide better information uh, to the public and uh, to deal with this this pandemic with these two pandemics right mm -hmm. these two pandemics uh, of the COVID nineteen and uh, the one that that arises from it which is the the mental health pandemic. Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, thank you so much, gentlemen, for taking the time um, to share this this. Uh, your findings with us, this incredible study. 
um, this critically important study. Um, so thank you for your work. And I'll, and I'll, before we conclude, I'd like to ask if there's anything else either of you would like to share um, before we go. I just want to thank the Center for uh, Community Engagement for taking on the initiative to have a series uh, on mental health issues and how they relate to the community. Um, UTEP is a part of the community. We're not a, a city on a hill um, on campus that's not connected. We're totally embedded in, in our community and our students and mostly come from this community and they're from this community and UTEP is a product of this community. So I'm very optimistic that the partnership that we have between the community and the university will be an important source of resilience for us in the future as we go on. But thank you very much for the opportunity to speak with you. Thank you. Thank you both. Um, for taking the time today. So um, with that, thank you um, both for taking the time um, to join us to speak about your study. And I'll go ahead and mention um, before we go, if any of our listeners are interested in learning more about um, this study, to please um, check out the College of Health Sciences um, and at UTEP to kind of see what they have going on, to see you know, um, if you're interested in topics like mental health awareness. And that's definitely a good place um, to, to start to kind of learn more about this topic, um, as you can def definitely tell from listening to our two special guests today. So thank you again. And um, I'll go ahead and mention that if you're interested in learning more about the Center for Community Engagement, so please check us out on social media at UTEPCCE on all platforms. And to check out our other podcast episodes um, on Apple Music, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, they're available. So thank you, everyone, for, take for listening. And have a good one. Thank you. Thank you.